listening to episode 82 of Desi Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I am Swapna Krishna, and we are recording on Wednesday, March 15th. Good boy. Let's go. Yeah, I know. Let's get into it. Can I just just first uh, make the blanket statement that I hate changing time? Oh. I understand why it's necessary, but I hate it. I'm so tired. Why? why is it necessary? I don't understand well, why it's necessary. I would be happy to stay on regular time, but I also do will say I enjoy the extra hour is of this, daylight saving. Right now, we are not. Are we in regular time right now, or are we not in regular time right now? We are in daylight saving time right now, so we are not in regular time right now. Okay. It basically means we get extra daylight at the end of the day. Yeah, I... Would like this to be regular time, but it's never not, go through so, a time change again. I, 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 I was like all about that. But then apparently there's like a lot of evidence that daylight saving time this time is actually bad on our bodies and we should just stay at regular time all the time. Fine. I just like. I know. That's how, that's how I felt. I was like, fine, but just let's stop changing time. Yeah. Just no more time. Fine. Because my child just has not. Yeah. My child just has not slept this week. Like at all. Which means I have not slept. I saw this thing that was like the only daylight savings time doesn't impact. It's like some tweet or something that was like daylight savings time. The only way I know it happened is because the like clock on my oven is like blinking because everything. Good for you. And then I was like, that's funny because I I, like woke up when my alarm went off and was just like, why am I so tired? And then my brain was like, I want to die. And then I went back yes. to sleep for an hour. <laughs> and I had finally gotten into a really good schedule of getting up before everybody else in my house, getting showered and ready, like quietly and leisurely, and then going and like getting the rest of my household up. And now that is all ruined because I can't get up that early anymore because I'm tired. Um, that said, before daylight savings time, just hours before it hit yes! us. Yes! Uh, on Sunday night, we we had the Oscars happen. Oh, was it before? No, it was the day after it hit. But anyway. Because right. I remember I was tired. Yeah, I was no, like, why did the Oscars night, on daylight? Not... I can't stay up this late. You're right. I was wrong. My segue was not correct. It's okay. It's okay. Hours before. <laughs> Everything's going so well. Um, yeah, so the Oscars happened Sunday night, and it was a big year for Asian people, which was nice. <laughs> there was a lot of a lot of celebration of you know movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which had a wonderful sweep. I think that was my favorite movie that came out last year. Um, of course, you have a wonderful Michelle Yeoh story that we love to hear. If you want, to I do. Yeah. Things. Okay. So this has gone viral every time I have tweeted about it because Michelle Yeoh is amazing and. Um, I tweeted about it again. Um, what, before Star Trek Discovery came out, I wrote this like very heartfelt like like article on what hearing her accent on the bridge of a starship meant to me. Just like as the child of immigrants, what it meant. Like it was an almost like visceral reaction. Like I burst into tears when I heard her for the first time on the trailer because like it's an Asian accent on the bridge of a starship and it's something you just don't hear. Mm-hmm. Like you don't. And it's like normalized, like, you know, um, and so I burst into tears and I wrote this article about it and um, it was, it went viral beyond my wildest dreams. Part of that is because she actually posted it on her Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, it was very, like, it was, I mean, it was just everywhere. It was everything everywhere all at once. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it was just, it was just very viral. And um, I got to interview her about it. I got to interview her for Discovery. And I, I mentioned offhand during the interview, like, so I wrote this article about 
because I wanted to ask her about her accent. So I was like, I wrote this article before Discovery came out about what seeing your accent on the show or on in the trailer meant to me. And she like interrupts and, and Michelle Royale interrupts you. You stop talking. And so she was like, she was like, wait, that was you. And then she, and then she like talked to me for a few minutes about like what that article meant to her and how she thought it contributed to the success of the show, because it really raised awareness for the show among Asian and international audiences. And she was like, I really think that this made a huge difference for the show, which is like also, you know, amazing. Um, And so it was a very, very nice moment. And like, uh, yeah, so it's a, it was a very nice moment. She's just so kind and it makes me so happy that she is enjoying the success she does because I'm not going to say it's because of Star Trek because she deserves this with or without that. But like, I think Star Trek in a lot of ways put her back on the map and reinvigorated her career um, because it was, it was after that, that, you know, she really started, you know, that her career started heating up again. She just fully deserves this win. Like she's so that movie, everything, everything everywhere all at once is like one of those, it was nice to see it do so well because it's so weird and such a unique story. Like the Daniels, like how they told the story was unique. And and it was nice to see something that isn't steeped in nostalgia or having to be connected to some huge brand succeed in the way that that movie succeeded and centering around a very specific story for a very specific community, which is also not always the case. If you had um, told me that an Asian sci-fi movie would sweep the right? Oscars, like what? Fully unexpected. And it like, was uh, just so joyful to watch happen, right? Like just winning every, like all those major awards, like Ki Hui yeah. Han, of course, also like getting his flowers. Like it was That just- video of him hugging Harrison Ford <laughs> made me cry so much because Harrison Ford doesn't smile at anything and he's got this huge grin <laughs> on his face that's so sweet. Um, we also saw, of course, Ruth E. Carter who got her second win for the Black Panther costuming, which was awesome because which she's was awesome. yes. amazing. Um, so for the like to talk a little bit, I think not like in not to get like super negative, but just to acknowledge like we had Indian representation, which was awesome, mm, right? Yeah, yeah, we it was very cool. Okay, let me put it coming at it from the positive. It was incredible to hear Telugu at the Oscars because yes. this is a thing that I have talked about on Twitter, but we haven't really talked about uh, R really on the podcast for various reasons. But um, Telugu. Uh, RRR is not a product of Hindi cinema. It's not a it Bollywood movie. It is a Telugu movie. It's a South Indian movie. We we and we do talk a lot about like the differences between North India and South India and how everybody thinks that like you know like Bollywood is all of India. It represents all of India. It does not. It does not. It's a very um, specific so like part was, of North India. If you had told little Swapna that I would hear Telugu at the Oscars, like I never would have believed you. So that was very cool. And it won best song, which is yes. outstanding. Because I can remember, you know, the last time seeing like this level of Indian rep at the Oscars was Lagan was Lagan, nominated right? for yeah. best international or best foreign film in 2001, I think. And seeing mm-hmm. like, you know, Amir Khan and, and um, Anil Kapoor and stuff on the red carpet. 
But, you know, this, there was a much more visibility, like there was a huge visibility. It wasn't nominated. It was nominated as best song for Naku Naku. They performed the song. Of course, the big controversy there is there were no South Asians, no South Indians, no Indian people at all involved in the choreography, in the creation, in the dancers, like any of it, which is bizarre. Bizarre. For like, like it's what? just, it's not even like offensive. It's just like, what? I mean, it is offensive, but I'm like, but like, I'm like beyond that. I'm just like, what? Strange, strange choice. Just, 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 and that song. It, you know, it's funny though. It sort of exemplifies, I think, a little bit of the reason you like we haven't sort of like talked about the movie at at great length on the on the show, which is that the way I I was having a lot of trouble articulating like what what was making me feel weird about the way non. Indians were reacting to RRR and it's one it's very like it feels like they're treating it like an anomaly mm-hmm. like this is a unique proposition for such a good movie to come out of India yes and part of it is in the like fetishism of the yes. way they speak about the music and the dancing and the way they talk about the actors and like mm-hmm. it's it's there's a strangeness there that I don't want there's to there's an othering in, there's right? a very 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 odd othering and I felt the same way and it's funny you and I just didn't address it at all right and then like at some point I was like Preeti I have to tweet about RRR can you retweet it because it was the whole reminding people this is a Telugu movie and you were like oh my god like and it was so funny because we hadn't even talked about it we were on the same wavelength of like I just don't even want to touch this like there's something Um, strange about it there's something weird about it like I saw a lot of tweets of like forget the movie I can't believe they did this choreography this intricate choreography at the Oscars I'm like you know, Indian movies generally do this right? like five times a movie, like five, six, like it's just like every movie that they put out and they put out a lot more movies than Hollywood, much less like Bollywood to Hollywood, where we're talking about like all of Indian cinema, which is fair. Like it's just, it was, just, it was. It's so strange. It's so, it's, so strange. it's all so strange. And, and that Nadu Nadu in the movie is a, uh, a conversation about colonization and yeah. so in addition there's like all these layers to the weirdness yes of it, it is where you're it like is. so excited it's it's doing well so excited people are what but what we want from it i think is to it's funny every indian person that they interviewed like i think ram Jana, who said it too who's one of the leads of the movie where it's like this is the tip of the iceberg like this is mm-hmm. this is representing like to show what India is capable of it is not mm-hmm. a unique proposition it's not no. like a, a fluke that this movie exists even like Bahubali is a fun ass movie mm-hmm. like his previous films are fun and you know there's all sorts of other things like great criticism of the movie from South Asian reviewers there's great yes. like, write-ups of what this movie is that movie and- is not unproblematic right <laughs> and so it, it, it was just interesting I think as as you know you're South Indian I'm I'm North Indian but like mm-hmm. we I think a lot of Indian people are sort of reacting similarly to the way this film yes. is discussed by their non-Indian counterparts yes it's very fetishizing frankly that's how it feels and it's very odd and it's very I just- odd Yes. And yeah, again, not to be too negative, because I'm really glad that we had that representation at the Oscars. I think it's a uh, yeah. first step between normalization. And I have heard a lot of people talking about how it is a Telugu film, which I'm very happy about, very much appreciate. And learning it's step by step. Don't expect change to happen all at once. And it's a nice step forward, but not an unproblematic step forward. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, okay, so I think that's okay. that's everything that I think we really okay. want to talk about from the Oscars. Um, but you have something on here that I don't know what it is. Yes. Okay. So this morning, to, we're recording on March fifteenth, uh, Wednesday. This is not going to come out till March sixteenth. Um, but Axiom unveiled one of the possible new spacesuits for uh, the Artemis mission, which is the NASA's mission to the moon. And they unveil the suit and like they, they, they post these pictures and stuff and it's like a black suit. And everybody, like anybody who's like familiar with the way this stuff works is looking at this suit and is like, you have to be white in order to reflect sunlight. Like a black spacesuit on the moon's going to kill you. <laughs> So what's going on? So we're all just like looking and then I like I, I like scroll through the press release and they basically say this spacesuit is it co- is currently covered, like there's a cover a black cover on it. The oh. spacesuit will be white, but there's a black cover on it because they don't want to reveal proprietary elements of the suit. And I'm like, NASA's having this like two two-hour media event they have kids at houston in like nasa space center asking questions about the spacesuit they have like a demonstration on tv of somebody in the spacesuit and it's like why are you having a spacesuit reveal event if you're not going to reveal the spacesuit that's so weird and it's like literally having an unbox like filming an unboxing and being like but i'm not going to actually open the box but isn't the box pretty what I don't know. I mean, I do. I understand in like the like the the way the contract is written and stuff like that. I understand it from that point of view. But why why? are you going to have this giant event and then a spacesuit reveal and then not actually reveal the spacesuit? Yeah, like why do the event at all? I was. was, This is. I I just had to because this was like my entire morning. I went down this like rabbit hole of like being like the spacesuit cover police and being like we are thirty minutes into the event and the cover still has not been taken off the suit. And, like, the cover never got taken off the suit. And then they made it clear that they weren't taking the cover off the suit because they're in competition with another company for these spacesuits and they don't want... Which, totally understand, but then... Sure. But then don't, don't do an event. Don't do an event. Anyway. That's that so is, weird. That's my gripe. Okay. But now getting back to, like, what everybody... Actually, things actually, people actually care about. Um, <laughs> Paramount announced uh, two weeks ago, I think, that Star Trek Discovery's fifth season would be its last. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not a surprise. Like I, I, a lot of us knew, had heard this very, very well, like founded rumor, knew it was coming. Not a huge surprise. Uh, the way they, the way they released it was a little weird. Um, it just kind of, the news just kind of like, we'd known it was coming for a long time, but the news kind of dropped. And my impression was they don't usually announce stuff like that while other series are ongoing because they don't want to feel like they're swapping series or take away. So like, I don't know what happened, but anyway, season five will be its last. It's also, they made it very clear in the release that this was not the show, the showrunners or writer, like that they're taking extra time to re basically either add additional episodes on or rewrite the ending and reshoot so it. It'll be like, like a real ending. To, to finish it. But like, why, uh... I don't, why would you say, and so they're delaying season five to 2024 because of that. But like, why would you say that? There's a, That's there's a, weird. it was like, why would you say that? Like, why yeah, would like, you just, just say, we've got a really exciting, yeah, why well, we've got a really exciting season planned and we're going to give this series the send off it deserves versus yeah. like, we're taking the time to recraft and 
re because we know like season five's in the can it's done but they're like we're taking the time to to re to like re to 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 give to write the ending these characters deserve and we're gonna reshoot so weird. and so it'll this the, it'll be delayed to 2024 like it was very it's very weird i don't huh. i don't anyway anyway strange strange but i really have high hopes for the fifth season i think it'll be good um the the tone seems a little lighter for the fifth season than it has been like uh it seems like they're gonna do some sort of like treasure hunt storyline which i'm very very here for because I, mm-hmm. I think uh the series has been very not a criticism but it's just been very serious and i think uh going out on like kind of a fun note would be a lot of fun yeah, i think it's also nice. it's also important to note that like a lot of people are getting very upset by this and while it clearly wasn't the intent like it wasn't the they weren't expecting this five seasons in the era of streaming that's a lot. Is amazing. And the that's fact an that they get to like run. they do get to write their ending is really exactly. nice. That's the thing. I'm just like I don't think like I think people still expect that Star Trek will get seven seasons, all Star Trek shows, and I'm like that's just not realistic in a streaming. No. Era. So no. I'm I'm glad it's getting what it's getting, and um, I will miss it. Of course, there's like Discovery has some of the best characters in the franchise. Like I love the characters, and um, but yeah, it's sad but like also i'm not surprised i had heard it was coming so um yes and like said, five seasons is a lot yeah um okay so we're that we're gonna seg into our star trek picard discussion now important note we are only gonna discuss episodes three and four despite the fact that five came out today there's a reason for this and because i want preeti to watch a couple of background episodes before um she watches episode five because there's somebody who there is a character who comes back but telling you what episodes to watch is a spoiler because it spoils that that character's return which is why we're holding this until everybody can watch the episode and then you will tell you at the end of our discussion um i'll tell you what those episodes are and you can either choose to listen to that or skip over them depending on how you like do you want that do you want to know yes you want that information or you can just wait to watch this listen to this until after you watch episode five so yeah leaving that up to everybody but we will be back probably in the next week or so to talk about episodes five and six uh because those are a lot of fun okay okay so uh so three and four seven seconds and no wind and no scenario. Wind scenario. Okay, so let's talk about the. Uh, let's start with the um, overarching plot here. Okay, how do we want to do this? Do we want to talk about plot overarching plot, or do you want to go through the episodes piece by piece? Let's. If talk we want to do about... piece by piece, I can pull up my um, recaps. Your recaps. No, I think overarching plot because I okay. am. I texted you while I was watching. Yes, because. While I did really enjoy these episodes, I also was confused by some mm-hmm. character choices. Yes. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about overarching plot first, because I think that'll give the context we need, or else I'm going to be doing a lot of like, but okay, but why? Okay, so <laughs> let's start with, I think you're, let's start with your but okay, but why's, and let's talk about the two main conflicts in episode three, 17 seconds, which are between Picard and Beverly and Picard uh-huh. and Will. Um, and they kind of, Picard and Beverly kind of resolves in episode three. Picard and Will 
kind of resolves in episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So it was funny because like one of the big things about Star Trek The Next Generation was that like all Gene Roddenberry said that all conflict needed to come from outside the ship. They couldn't have the he didn't want any of the characters fighting to be between themselves. One another. That was not that was not what he wanted. He thought in like the 24th century we would be so enlightened that human conflict I guess would not exist. <laughs> Which, okay, okay, Gene. But uh, anyway, so this is new and it was very uncomfortable to watch. I'm, I don't think it was bad. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But like, because I'm just not used to seeing, you're not used to seeing yeah. open conflict between these characters because of that. Like they never, the worst to, that it happened is I think in uh, Next Gen episode, like I think it was like a season six, five or six episode the pegasus where Riker basically has to kind of like not betray picard but like he it's it's complicated but like and like picard's main thing is just like i'm disappointed in you it's not like they don't fight and so like i was so uncomfortable watching him and will but i don't think it was bad writing or i don't think it was bad but it was just because like dad and daddy are fighting like <laughs> <laughs> i actually it's funny because like the so a through line of these episodes is um, that there's this new, this like being, the bad guys are actually these things called changelings. Changelings, right. Who can like look like anybody, which is mm. honestly like one of the things I'm most uncomfortable with in fiction when I know, which I've talked about on the show, I think before, when I know someone's not who they say they are, but the characters don't know. Right. I, it's it's not that I think it's bad. It's just for me, I'm like, too much, too much anxiety. But yes. that said, I... They introduce this concept and then there's this moment where Picard and Riker, it's the most, like, to your point, the most uncomfortable thing, like, Picard is insisting on staying and fighting and Riker is like, that's not a good idea. We don't, we literally can't, like, we cannot do that. You're not thinking about the crew. It's like this back and forth that gets extremely heated to the point where Riker has to kick Picard off the Mm -hmm. bridge. And where I stumbled was like, first I was like, is that not him? Like, is that a changeling? Because I, I agree with you. Like, again, I really enjoyed these episodes, but I don't know that they gave me what I needed for Picard specifically, only in the Picard show, mm-hmm. only in this show, not having all the like next gen background, to warrant the heat and the anger and the like pig headedness, really, that he exhibited when talking to Riker in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, maybe that's not him, but then it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's a few things. I do agree with you that, like, it was very, like, because, like, I didn't think Riker was wrong is the thing. I'm like. He was right. I I don't think he was wrong. Like, they would have lost a dogfight. It's the same thing Shaw kept saying. But but I think that's my point, right? It's like Shaw said it. Like, we've been told over and over and over again that it's not a winnable fight between. And we've seen it, too. Like, it's not, like. So, I wanted Picard to give some kind of, like, at least his own rationalization for it so I could understand why he was so adamant about it because I don't think I've seen that from our captain in terms of like just being adamant about a thing because of emotion he Mm -hmm. usually has some sort of like into like into uh, intelligent reasoning behind it even Mm -hmm. if it's flawed Mm -hmm. he sees it as a like true reasoning but we didn't 
that's what it is. We didn't get that from him of the yes. why of it. We just got the like, Will, we have to do it. And I was like, like, why though? Yeah. Will I think, and I think there's a few reasons for it. I think Picard is trying to get, I, I think there's a few reasons for it that they don't make clear in the show. I think you're absolutely right about that. I think it's Picard's really wants answers about mm-hmm. why they, Vatic wants Jack. Yes. I, I think that's a lot to do with it. And he wants answers. He wants to understand what's going on. And that's not going to happen if they run away from them. I think there's something selfish about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's also Picard hasn't lost the way Will has. Like, I think Picard doesn't understand. Like, he knows he's lost a lot. He, you know, lost his best friend, Jack, under his command. Like, he's he's lost a lot. But, like, I think there's a huge undercurrent in this season of being a parent and yes. what it does to you, which I found very interesting as a parent. There's a huge undercurrent. And I think the I think the idea is just because he has never, like, kind of showing in a way that does not pass judgment on people without children, but just shows that what he has lost, not having, like, basically, I think it's like a, I think it's a balance of when he says to Beverly, what could I have been mm-hmm. had I known? And I think this is showing, like, I think it's showing that, that, that conflict of what could he have been? Would he have been, more caring would he have been more compassionate would he have been more understanding would he have been more aware of the idea of loss i think that's where it stems from but i feel like we're missing a connective scene right we're missing well what you said to me which i thought was interesting and did make sense fully given what we see in what we've seen in picard like mm-hmm. when you you said to me that it's his arrogance it's about yeah no that's like this entire scene right? i feel like the, the whole, entire show honestly the whole show is about his arrogance and maybe that mm-hmm. was it too where it felt like not he doesn't think he like, can lose well it didn't feel like a step backwards but it did feel like a a choice without that connective tissue that you're yeah. talking about without that scene we needed um that felt like a season, almost like a season one Picard choice, yes. right? Like I agree, like I agree. Prior to learning all the things he learned in season one and two. Mm-hmm. So that was very interesting. And it was interesting because that argument comes off, like you were talking about, that other heated argument between him and Beverly, in which I was like fully on Picard's yes. side in that situation. 100%. Like I understand, like I do get, when, especially when Beverly says, I lost jack to those stars i mm-hmm. lost my son wesley and doesn't say it but she lost both of them under picard's command yes and so i understand where she's coming from and i have compassion for her but he is a hundred percent right fully here. correct in that situation and i think they the show didn't the show needed a scene that tied those two arguments together yeah. because better. I think they are very connected and I think yes. what Picard do is doing on the bridge because he feels so helpless with his son is a I think what he's doing result. on the bridge is a direct result of that basically yeah um, yeah you're right you're right but I think um, there's a scene missing that like ties all that together for us it's interesting I was watching episode four this morning uh, and I was thinking about how like to step a little bit more wide view lens of this, this season feels the most like next generation to me Mm -hmm. where you have layers of conflict and plot happening at the same time, but they're all sort of treated as 
at one is as, as important as the other. Like nothing, even though like stakes wise, you're like, mm-hmm. well, this is clearly a bigger deal. But what Next Gen in their episodes that I that I've watched, I think did is like they sort there's like almost like a dispassionate way in which they're presenting the various things that are happening on these starships mm-hmm. in a way that like Picard season one, seasons one and two, I think were far more widely character focused than yes. season three seems to be shaping up to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. And that I, that's definitely intentional. Like uh, this feels like Star Trek first contact to me this season. Like it feels very like, and the, it's funny, like, you know, in first contact, the data's like journey to be human with like the really creepy board queen, like, and the, like the skin and stuff like that feels as important as like this mission to save like everything like it feel mm-hmm. like the weight it, it, yeah, they yeah, both yeah. feel as and i think i agree with you i think that that's what they're doing here like the fight between will and jean-luc is just as important as the fight with vatic in the, yeah. like, terms of the stakes of the episode or even where you have like the ship is on like live support right in in episode four and there are all these things things happening but we're still following seven of nines trying to find this changeling like that that thread is still going on while these other like life-threatening things are happening it was just a really interesting throwback storytelling style that I wasn't expecting I think from this season but I'm but I'm enjoying for the most part okay so you generally don't like the changeling the changeling feature within storytelling but how did you feel about it here I'm I wish they had seeded it a little earlier like I don't I feel like there's a like we talked about the pacing stuff in the last episode and Mm -hmm. I think that pacing stuff is still sort of happening like in episode three we get all this great stuff with Worf which like so Mm -hmm. happy to see Worf back and like have these moments but it felt so disconnected and Mm -hmm. even though they are clearly like both connected in these other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reveal of the bounty hunter being a changeling didn't hit hard enough for me because the pacing felt off. I think they're yeah. going to be a good villain, but I wish there had been some, not that they needed to tell me in like episode one, but I think four episodes in is too long to show the true connection between these plot points. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes right. sense. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think also anyone who didn't watch Deep Space Nine is not going to react as strongly to that reveal Which because that's the, I did not exactly. <laughs> I like because like I screamed when I watched. Like I love it, but also I have a background with these, with the ch- changelings, with the shapeshifters. Like I, I understand them as villains, and the, actually, I what I will say is for somebody who has does have that background this thread makes perfect sense because it's really funny because when i was watching tacking into the wind that episode i had you watch uh before we started this and before i before i knew what what was going on in the series i was just re-watching it because we were going to talk about it and ryan's like watching it over my shoulder my husband is watching it over my shoulder and he's like it makes no sense that the that after all this 
the because like at the end of Deep Space Nine, what happens is spoiler, I guess if you haven't seen it, although the show premiered in nineteen ninety three, so I feel okay about it. Um, <laughs> uh, the founders basically surrender and like go back home, and that's it. Like the changelings, they surrender and they just go back to their home planet, and like that's the end. And Ryan's like, it just makes no sense. Like they like don't trust like what they call solids. They don't. Mm-hmm. They just like go home. And then I watched. And then, like, I watched Ryan's face when we were watching these two episodes. He's like, I was right! I was like, you were right. But it makes total sense because I, everybody has those questions about the end of Deep Space Nine. They just, they wrapped it up very neatly. And while I appreciate that from a storytelling perspective, like, I'm not sure it made perfect sense from a character motivation standpoint. I so think they need picking to it back up, that. Picking it back up makes a lot of sense, but you are missing that context that's i that's frustrating because it's sort of the thing we've talked about with it's a star, star wars, wars right it's a yeah. star wars problem where it's yes like, i don't i like picard a lot and one thing i've liked about it is that i can enjoy it as much as you do despite not having yeah. the same history of knowledge that you have like i don't i've never once felt like i'm missing out by not having the time to watch Deep Space Nine, you know? And, like, there are times, like, first season, I definitely had to explain things to you. But once sure. you, but once you, like, it's not, it's not understanding. It's just knowledge, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, not, like, whether you grok it or not. It's just, like, oh, this is what the Borg are. Okay, that's it. That's all I need to know. Right? You know? Here, yeah. Here, there like is. Yes. That's, that, oh, that sucks. Because I, one of my favorite things is like that I can watch it and still experience the things I want mm-hmm. to experience while watching a TV show without having those things. And but now I is, feel like yeah. I'm missing something. I'm missing and, out on a on a real understanding that I think I might need now for this season. And I think that's part of the, uh, that's, I don't, I don't want to say it's a weakness, but the show, the season does feel made for people who watch Next Gen and Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like one of the downsides, I guess that's what I'm saying, to what you were saying earlier, which is waiting until episodes three and four really to reveal the villain, like the pacing, is like we're three and four episodes into this and people who need that background don't have time to go back and right. make that a big reveal versus just going into the season yes. premise yes changelings are back and allowing people to do if they want to go and watch like I would have done like here are the five changeling episodes you need to watch Mm -hmm. in order to understand this but Q Q is a perfect example right Q is a perfect example of like we knew Q was coming back so you were able to pull together like a truncated list of things that we could watch and discuss about the character that I could get yep what I needed for all of those cue moments to have real impact while I was watching the show. Yes. Using and it that as is a also, reveal. And that's also why I'm frustrated by the next, the episode five thing, because it's a great character moment, but it is going to mean, that's why I told Preeti yesterday. And that's why we were talking. She's like, I don't really have time to watch two extra episodes before I record. I was like, let's not do it because the emotional impact of this is not going to land. If you don't mm-hmm. have that background of these episodes. And like, it's, I understand yes. why they're doing it this way because they want those Twitter reactions that they want people going to Twitter and being like, Oh my God, I can't believe what happened. But it also makes it harder for anyone who doesn't know who these characters are and doesn't necessarily have the bigger background in these characters to 
you know, really like understand the emotional. Because like with the Q stuff, I really felt like you felt the emotional impact of that yes. final scene between them as much as I yes. did. Like you, like, but when he's like, it matters to me, you matter to me. I feel like you were crying. Like we were both just like, <laughs> oh my God. Right. Like, but with the changeling thing, I was like, that's why I was very curious to talk to you about this. I'm like, is it going to have any impact on you at all? Like in terms of like, and because, it didn't. <laughs> right, exactly. And for me, it was like, oh my God, this is everything I've been waiting for, for like 15 years. Whereas I was like, okay, that's kind of a cool, gross villain, I guess. I was yeah, like, but, well, okay. but I don't really get why we're spending so much time. But why do they look like a mix of raw meat and the plasma from Ghostbusters 2? Um, you've not gotten to, uh, this is an aside, but Swapna is watching Supernatural, which you can- Oh, yes, yes, okay, we're going to talk about that at the we end. Will. I have like it in all caps of like the what we're into, <laughs> But we're, we're so excited. I'm so excited. Um, But the related issue is that shapeshifters will eventually become okay. a thing on Supernatural, okay. and the way- they shapeshift the the graphic of it and the the what they use on the show to symbolize like what how a shapeshifter works is so foul. It's like so gross. And that's what this made me think of. And that I was like, I think of what I was like, ew. Yeah, when I was went just into like, the eh. like ship. I was like, because like gross. on Deep Space Nine, they're just like, they're just like, it's just like it's just like a golden goo like it's oh. not yeah this is not like, like it's like cgi it's just like it's very cgi like very right. bad you know 90s like 90s CGI. cgi yeah this was yeah. like raw meat <sighs> what sucks is that like i think like i i agree with you i feel like they they maybe like want the shock and the excitement more than they mm-hmm. more than the like uh plotting because like the reveal I don't know I think it knowing that I wish I had known this prior to watching Mm because I was mostly like I don't understand why I had to spend so much time with Rafi confused on that planet like why I had to like wait so long to know that like like it was just a lot it like took you just you didn't even understand that this was a big reveal I didn't. I had no that's idea. Like, and like, I yeah, I think like, that's a, yeah, yeah. That's a cool villain, I guess. Like, cool. Yeah, whereas, like, anyone, like, if you watch Deep Space Nine, the entire series, vil- this is the s- villain for the entire series. Mm. Like, so, which and now I understand why everybody kept saying Picard isn't just TNG season eight, it's or se- it's Deep Space Nine season eight, um, which is great, but uh like, that's a lot but, of like, star trek it, it's a lot of star trek and <laughs> to like expect of somebody mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it is and like i definitely could have given you a list of like five episodes five six episodes to watch to like illuminate had you this known had i known but like it's also like i feel like asking you to watch two episodes before the next episode is a lot that's a lot yeah. much less like oh catch up on the entire season series and again i am not because like i love it personally i love it but as a person it, it is as a person who comes to it from you know and you and i were just talking about before we started recording about the mandalorian's new season which i have not started yet you're i think watched the first episode mm-hmm. and how they chose not to explain how grogu and mando right. reunited 
And that happened in the book of Boba Fett. It's not even in the, like, previews. Yeah. And, like, I read an interview where the, like, they were just like, ah, they can just go YouTube it. And I'm like, that's really disrespecting your viewers, in my opinion. You shouldn't have to watch every piece of every property to understand. To know what's going on. To know what's going on. And I do feel that way. I don't think it's... I do... I do. I am. St- I'm very much enjoying Picard and stuff, and, and I'm really loving it. But I do think people, parts of it are going to hit differently depending on how much you've watched, what right. you've watched, and um, I think that, yeah, it is. It, like I think it's both. This like it's weird because I think it's both a strength and a weakness. I think it's a strength in that this is what a lot of people, including me, have been waiting for ever since right. the franchise was. You know, ever since like they announced. The franchise was coming back. Like this mm-hmm. is what this is the type of t- show we've been waiting for that continues the journey of these shows that we watch for so long. But this is also, I would argue, the most talked about season of Star Trek so far, and it is not necessarily super friendly to people who have not watched all watched of that stuff. Yeah, watch all of that stuff, and that's kind of like. It's a little bit in conflict, like a little bit. Yeah, you're you're not wrong, and you're there's still things that are like clearly I'm I'm enjoying it, like I'm yeah. having it, like there the tension is great. There are great like action moments. There are great character moments. It's just the overall story, like individual moments are are put pulling me through this series more so than the overall story, which I don't fully have an emotional connection to. That makes sense. And I don't think that's necessarily like a bad thing, but I wonder how they could have either structured the season or just not like made it clear that they were changelings from the beginning. So people, you know what I mean? Like, I wonder Mm -hmm. what they could have changed to, you know, to, to make it more friendly to people who didn't watch Deep Space Nine because there are plenty of people who watch Next Gen and did not watch Deep Space Nine and are now like, who are these people? Yeah, I mean, I think about that too because the show was so marketed heavily for Next Gen, like Mm -hmm. so intensely pulling at that nostalgia for Next Generation Mm -hmm. that it feels a little bit like a ha-ha surprise. Yeah, Yeah. little, just not in like a, a nefarious way, but just like a little bit. And it's hard because like like I said like there are moments that are so good I love Shaw as this new new captain I love like I love like what we've seen of seven and not a seven of nines um I think I think there's so much the the season has going for it in terms of momentum like Mm in for I should say momentum for what's happening on the spaceship Rafi's story is a little difficult I think and I think it's we didn't get any of it in episode four. Episode four, that's right, yep. Right? Like, at all. Um, After she and Worf, did, like, Worf is basically like, all right, we're working together now in episode three. I also didn't fully understand, like, what the point was of, like, forcing her to work by herself for so long. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I wasn't entirely clear on that situation. Like I said, that I That will, all of this will come together in episode five. <laughs> I'll just say that. People listening to this are like, well, I know the answer. Yeah. Like, I I will just say that. Um, I don't want to. But, like, 
the ch- all the, everything kind of comes together in that episode. Like maybe all it's the just pieces. Like, yeah, maybe it's just the pacing. The pacing. I think the it's big, a- the big problem for me this season. And I think I I have two advantages to you, and this is something I try to keep in mind when talking about the show. Uh, first, just the background in Next Gen and Deep Space right. Nine, of course, but also as a I watched the first six episodes in one day. Ah, uh, and yes. I think that makes a big difference. And like I took like when I for when for my recaps for my coverage, I recognize that that is not fair because that's how that's not how anybody else experiences it. So mm-hmm. I take notes of my reactions because looking back, I'm like, no, I don't think Rafi's story was slow, but I have notes watching the individual episodes being like, eh, this is dragging a little bit. You know what I mean? But like looking back and understanding how it all came together. And I think it's one of the challenges of modern serialized storytelling mm-hmm. that like a lot of shows struggle with. It's how do you tell a serialized story while making every individual episode week to week impactful? Which I don't, um, I don't think that every episode has to be impactful, but I do think that you have to, and there's no, I don't think there is an easy answer to this. I think writers are doing what they can, but you have to acknowledge that the work has to work both as serialized long-term viewing and as serialized short-term viewing. Yes. Like it and has I, to work yeah. in both instances and that is really hard to do. And I think what we are doing, and I think what you have caught on to, and I'm kind of realizing this now as we're talking, I think what you've caught on to is the overarching story is not there. There's not a lot of form, forward momentum no. there. And so you are, you are, you, what you're picking up is that the forward momentum right now is character. It's not overarching plot. Exactly. Like in this nebula, there's nothing They've been stuck in this nebula since like season, the end episodes. of season since the end of season one. There is almost nothing happening with overarching plot. We have no idea what's going on, and so the the forward movement that's happening is with character. Like I even remarked in my Vulture recap that I loved episode four for the character moments, but it felt very weird. They were all just kind of sitting around waiting to die. Right? You know? It was like so it was very strange. weird. It was like such a strange experience because it has felt very stagnant in that yeah. respect. We had mm-hmm. that cool moment in like the second episode, I think, um, with the spaceship tossing mm-hmm. that got mirrored with the asteroid tossing in mm-hmm. the fourth episode. But it's all cyclical. They yes. keep fighting. Like when the strike showed up again at the end, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I get it. But the character stuff is so good that you're willing to push through it. I'm, I just, I'm like, so I'm like struggling with the story because like you said, I I don't know what it is. I think, I think that's what, I think that's what, and for me and for people who understand how bad the changelings are and how big of a villain there are, that, that reveal was enough to like carry us through. Like that reveal was enough for me to be like, oh, I am all in. Like even like Ryan, who apparently I have forgotten I've made him sit down and watch Deep Space Nine beginning to end like three times because that's I keep being hilarious. like oh you need to watch this sh- I was like I know you've watched it over my shoulder and he's like no you I need know to sit down. he's like sit down and actually watch DS9 from beginning to end with me he's like that's what Matt. I've done it like three times and I'll like start like quoting it to me that's hilarious and I'm like oh but like I forget like because like he and he like same thing with him because he has seen it so many times whoops um like he had but I I do and like and I didn't think about that until 
you pointed it out, but the forward momentum for the story in a lot of ways is the interpersonal stuff. And which is good. I'm glad they're giving them yes, time totally. for those moments. But um, you need and, both. But not balancing it with, I feel like maybe they were in that nebula one episode too long. And also, like, I was just thinking, about, you know, you said about, like, what could they have done? I think showing us that we talked about how strange that explosion was, right? How it felt like an afterthought, how it felt like an aside in the regular the, uh, story. The terrorist attack. The terrorist attack that Rafi And we find out that it is. Like, Worf points out that, like, this is a distraction. But it shouldn't have... I think that would have been a moment to... Because as much as it was a distraction, it was still tied to yes. those changelings. If you had made that connection explicit earlier on in terms of like, I feel like they tried so hard to have Rafi have a mystery that she was chasing. Yeah. That it minimized the violence and what the the characters are actually doing because her mystery felt more important than the violence they were enacting, if that made sense. Yes. No, that does make sense. It was... This show is very personal. It's very character focused. And I think, I guess that's a, that's a, like, and that's a thing. It's so character focused, which is a good thing, but it's a little bit marrying the modern sentiment, the modern thought of there needs to be a lot of character work with mm-hmm. the with 90s Trek. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is, yes, that is exactly it. It is, yeah. like, there was such a, not a lack of characterization in earlier Trek, but it, like, to your point of what Gene Roddenberry said, it wasn't about interpersonal conflict. It wasn't about these, char- which is a lot of where character building comes from, is from interpersonal mm-hmm. conflict, because that is how you show character growth, or, like, it's, like, showing the character having the space for growth versus mm-hmm. this idea of yeah. like humans are so evolved that they don't have blah, 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 whatever. Pairing that need for modern characterization with what we were saying earlier of like what feels like very next gen, feels very 90s in the everything having the same level of importance mm-hmm. means it, it doesn't, it, it's disjointed. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's it makes it feel contradictory. Yeah. Oh, and it's all so good. Yeah, and it also, like, if you're talking about, we have seven major next-gen characters. We have mm-hmm. Shaw, we have, uh, we have Shaw, we have uh, Seven of Nine, we have Rafi, we have Jack Crusher, we have Sydney LaForge. That is so many characters yes. in a 10-episode series to do good character work. And they have all gotten... For, well, no, not all seven of them. We're still working on some of them. And also, um, but like generally speaking, they're all getting their moment in the sun. They're all having character development mm-hmm. um, over the course of this season. And it's just kind of like, it is so, I like, I now like I understand why they wrote off 90% of the cast from Picard season yeah. two, because you just don't have the room. You don't have the space for that for many it. people. But and so it's and even trying to do justice to the existing cast is feeling like a lot. Well, they're they're trying. What's hard is I think their plot calls for mystery, but you can't let the mystery overshadow the plot's ability to impact the characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's sort of where we are right now because it's a lot of the characters using only interpersonal conflict 
like only being able to participate in interpersonal conflict because they don't have the answers they need for the plot to impact them. Because it's a lot of like, I don't know why they're looking for Jack. I don't know why Beverly doesn't want anyone to know. I don't know why they you, this terrorist attack happened. I don't know who, like, you know what I mean? It's a lot of like, all the answers that, like all the character answers that exist are I don't know with mm-hmm. regards to plot issues. Mm-hmm. And so they can't have emotional reactions beyond yes. like basic like fear or um, like beyond reactionary moments because they don't have any answers at all. Mm-hmm. And that makes it, it feel like two different, like fully separate things. You have characterization and you have plot, but they have not integrated mm-hmm. yet. And my suspicion is that we were supposed to feel like the Rafi Wharf, as they're making progress in the, their investigation, was supposed to be some plot payoff, but it's so minor and compared to everything else yes. that it doesn't feel that way. That's my suspicion. Like that was supposed to be like them making progress on the plot, but it's so minor and honestly, like a little bit convoluted. They just keep going and seeing some guy, and then like somebody dies, and then they keep going and seeing another guy. And because then, it's like, all it's tied just... to like they tie that stuff to Rafi's previous issues. Yeah, they don't give her new issues. Yeah, to like again, it's all her like current season plot stuff is I don't know. So all her characterization stuff because she's isolated is like her family isolation, her drug addiction. It's all stuff that we know already from previous seasons. So it feels like we're in a little bit of a holding pattern with her. Yes. I am. I feel like the whole show a little bit feels like. With, yeah. If you, if you yeah, take yeah, out yeah. the changeling reveal, the entire show feels like a holding pattern. Yes. You're, you're very right. And I think this is where the pacing comes in because if we're mm-hmm. four episodes into a 10 season finale, that's not how long we should be waiting for forward momentum. Yeah. I agree with you. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think the changeling reveal makes up, like does make up for a lot of that and makes it okay if you understand the significance of that reveal. But if you don't, it, 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 if you don't, and you only know like what the little backstory that Worf gives you, which is basically there's a faction of changelings that have broken off. Which I was like, I literally was like, okay. And a like and a like close friend in the Great Link sent me an honorable a man of honor in the Great Link sent me this, which is Odo, who's a huge character in DS9, but you're not gonna know that nope. if you you know, like so it's yeah, it is. It's a lot of I mean, I, I really sympathize with what Terry was like, I really sympathize with what Terry was trying to do here, which is give fans what long-time they want. fans like the payoff they wanted. It's like it's like a balance that everybody is like it's running hard. into with like nostalgia shows. But I do I do feel like he's been mostly successful. Like he's doing a really good job. But uh, I agree with you that like it just it comes with some trade offs and that's just how it is. Like we're not criticizing the show. We're not saying it's bad. I love it. No. I love it. But like yeah, no, it is it's very true. That's very true. It's I think it's it's acknowledging that like while there are parts of it I'm very much enjoying, there are parts of it that I am confounded by. Like and I think it's I think it's always interesting what we do here which is like 
we're not ragging on it, but we do dissect. We try to get to like what is it what about the thing is, which we, did. Like, which we did. Like when you yeah. said it's the modern character work paired with '90s plotting, like that was it. That was like yeah. unlocked the thing. That's exactly what the what it feels like the issue is. Um, although I am now thinking about season two and the wonderful like reveal of the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. Because I think that worked. Even if you didn't have the background, mm-hmm. you saw the importance of this character and the mm-hmm. potential. Like, the, it's just so good. Whereas in this one, like you said, it felt more like an aside of war, like the reveal of the changeling of that guy that they caught. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, that like weirdo, whatever. Um was so minimal and not treated with the like sort of what we what we yeah the 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 same sort of like gravitas that the Borg queen was treated with yeah perhaps in terms of presenting this villain because mm-hmm. it we got the reveal of the bounty what's her name the bounty hunter? uh d- uh, d- uh Vatic. Vatic. So Vatic's reveal of like this villain is so wonderful, right? She's such a good, strong villain. And so to wait to connect her to being a changeling for so long minimizes the changeling part of that villainy and the importance of the changeling part of that villainy. Okay, because I think you're onto something here because a friend of mine was pointing out like she is a really stylized villain. Um, Yeah. Like Amanda Plummer as Vatic is a really stylized villain. But Finding out she's a changeling, I don't know if it takes something away, but like, what's the motivation for her? Uh, like, yes. my friend, like Claire was just basically like, it's not that I don't like it, I love it. But she pointed out, like, it just takes something away because, like, oh, she's stylized because she's a changeling versus understanding like the backstory that led the motivation. Like, it's just. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it feels like a cheap way out because that's not how I feel about it. But I could see if. From your point of view, if you don't have the background in the changelings, how you feel like, oh, the answer is it's just a changeling feels kind of like a cop out. I just didn't get it. I just was yeah. like, I don't understand why she couldn't be a changeling from the beginning. Why we yeah. couldn't know. Like, even if they don't know, like, even if Picard and Riker and Shaw I don't didn't think, know, yeah. why couldn't I know? <laughs> like, I don't think it would have taken away anything from the show to... Make, make that it clear. make it clear from the beginning that these are the changelings they're dealing with. Um, like even in the, think, if they wanted to wait for like second episode, right? It would have actually been really cool to watch. Remember that person watching Picard and Riker in the first episode? If oh, right, I forgot about that of, guy. Yeah, like that was clearly the changeling that ended up on the Titan. I did not put that but, together. <laughs> but if they had, if but if what, what if that person had followed them out of the yeah. bar and then shape shifted? Yes, like. That would have been very cool, very ominous, very like, oh, like it would have been. Agreed. I think it could have worked. Agreed. It And it gives an immediate connection so that when Rafi and Worf explicitly say what's happening, you have the connection between the two far yeah. faster than like, even though we see the changeling attack Jack Crusher and yeah. um on the ship, on the Titan, which was a yeah. really awesome and exciting moment. Um, because it amped the the stakes up high. Also, okay, mm-hmm. 
moving beyond this a little bit, yes. but the, the visions or like whatever yes. is happening to Jack okay, yeah. is interesting. I am very, yeah. that to me is a successful seed that I want to see come to fruition because I think they're using it really well. Yes, I agree. I think it's, um, I think it's very well done. And, um, there's a lot, like, just like what is happening? Like, is this why the changelings want him? Whatever is going on with him? Is that like, you know, remember in the first season of Picard, um, he dies of eremotic syndrome. Like he dies of his brain and not only did Jack inherit it. Like, and like, there's just a lot there. There have been also, let me just add, there have been too many references to Picard being an art of like an, like, yeah, there are like three or four references so far. I feel like that has to play into the end game. Like I just, there's been enough. And like, they've basically jettisoned so much of the first two seasons. Like, it's just, you don't have to know anything except that. You know what I mean? Like it's a, yeah, it feels yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, like yeah. you don't need to know anything, but we are bringing this one detail forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and our characters have mentioned it like four times, and uh-huh. so I think I think that that and so maybe I don't know, I don't know. I do think they want Jack because of his connection to Picard because that makes sense. I think what Beverly was saying like is like that's a Jean Luc Picard sized villain. Yes. I think that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that that's the case. Um, what did you think of that scene between Shaw and Picard in the holodeck? You know, it's interesting because I thought it was really good. I thought, I thought it was amazing. I yeah. think they've written Shaw really, really well mm-hmm. in that he he when he says, like, forgive me at some point, charm, like, asshole. To, what does he say? Charm turned into asshole. asshole. Asshole became a substitute charm. for charm or That's something That's what it like is. That. Asshole became a substitute for charm. Um, was a really great sum up of both like the quote itself referencing, referencing Shaw and that Shaw acknowledges it to be true are yes. both just excellent, excellent work. Um, because I think that moment is a reminder of who Picard is mm-hmm. when he, I feel like it got away from me a little bit with the fight between him and Riker and that lack of scene of mm-hmm. having him, you know, try to just be like, I get it. I understand. And like walking away because he's hurt, but he can't disagree because they, these yeah. are things I'm sure he thinks himself and we yeah. know he thinks himself. Um, and so they use that scene, I think, to beautiful effect for yes. for all the character work we want, like the kind of character work we want. Yes. And it explains a lot about Shaw, a lot about why mm-hmm. he doesn't, like he immediately took a dislike to Seven, why totally. he wanted, he, he like insisted she use her like human name. And I think it's a lot of like character work on Shaw, like in terms of like he's got a lot of trauma that he, you know, I wouldn't say it's necessarily unprocessed trauma because like, 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 yeah. but it's like, he clearly like, but it's, it's still, I mean, it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. And it, it makes us understand how he could be this person and still become a captain. Right. Yeah. Like you're not coming out of that question. Like for, cause like for a second you're like, Star, why would Starfleet make this kind of person a captain? Yeah, but then you can see why because it's, he does have these feelings, but he knows that he has them. Yes, he's self aware. Yeah, and like, 
Um, I really loved that scene. I thought, like, the, and just the writing, like, the only words so, so deadly, they gave him a goddamn Ooh, name. Like, so the good. delivery it's of so that good. line was so good. Yeah. Um, and then it's interesting how Picard is just like, no, it's okay. And then he's ready to, like, just be like, I'm done. I'm just going to go back to my quarters and die yeah. there. You know, like, it's just die by myself. We're all going to die. I'm going to go back to my court. Because, like, Jack goes after him mm-hmm. and is, like, you know, like, ready to make the connection. And Picard's like, nope, I'm done. And then it's not until Beverly co- shows up and is like, I have a plan. Like, I figured that- this out. I will say, I wish they used Beverly more. Yes. She she's feeling a, a little sidelined. Mm-hmm. Like we saw like three scenes of her counting. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of her th- like I was like, "Okay, I get it. She can count and there's some kind of pattern happening." Yeah. But beyond that one scene between her and Picard, which is really Picard focused, mm-hmm. we haven't gotten much from her and I want more. Like I'm, I... I'm dying for more. I worry. I will admit the one thing I have worried about since watching the like watching the the first couple of episodes was like, is Beverly going to get more of a role than just being like the mother of Picard's kid? Yeah, and I'm that's not kind sure of where we are will. right now. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure she will. And so, and like similarly, knowing Deanna has barely shown up, and you know, knowing that her and Will are having problems, is she going to get to be more than just? the mother of Kestra and, you know, the dad, their, uh, their yeah. deceased son and Will's wife. And we will Which, see. Like, what's frustrating is I think Beverly can, like, there's no reason it it's called Picard. Everybody mm-hmm. exists in the context of Picard. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That is mm-hmm. what the show is. However, people exist within his context, but still have more to do and more to say and more characterization than I think Beverly has gotten for being mm-hmm. so integral to the plot. Like I was a little frustrated when he was like, why did you say you could only trust me? And it was this like, sort of like, well, we couldn't trust anybody else. Like there wasn't, it was a little bit of a letdown in terms of her. It's because the show's there. called Picard. Because the show's called Picard is basically what the answer was. And yeah. I think there are these moments, these opportunities where they, can give her more and they haven't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, agree um, with you. I think you're right. I think she's, she has been integral to the plot, but she's gotten about the same amount of like character development as Worf has. And Worf, yes. I yes. love him though I do. Fully agree. He's not integral to the plot right now. No, like fully agreed. Like War and Worf has only had two episodes really mm-hmm. of anything mm-hmm. and really only one. Really it shows up at like the end of the, the yeah. second episode. So, Worf and Beverly, Beverly getting yeah. the same amount of like screen time and, and character development or not screen time, but character development across four episodes that Worf has gotten in one is pretty telling. It's just the worry that putting a phaser in her hands and letting her have the badass fight scene at the beginning is like, oh yeah, that's all she needs. Now we don't need to do that, anything else. That's my worry. That no, is my I worry. agree. I agree with you. Um, because we'll I see. think- yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, it's it's not that I don't trust them to do more, is the thing is, like, I do, like, I do feel like, hopefully, that we're going to get more from her, given what the show has been, and what the show, what the show is, like, doing with Seven of Nines, for example, is so mm-hmm. wonderful to watch. Yes, and her storyline has been amazing. 
Like I loved um, that moment between her and LaForge where LaForge comes to her mm-hmm. um, quarters when, when she's being like basically under house arrest or whatever. Like I thought that was a really wonderful scene between the yeah, two of them. I agree. Um, and just the like, the just her like trying to figure out trying to find her place i really love the scene between her and shaw in his yeah that was so good that was really good self control um where he kind of is like i was wrong about you like i underestimated you and you're you know you're great at what you do and that meant a lot because shaw doesn't stay say stuff like that for he he doesn't he doesn't say what he doesn't believe and so like for him to tell her like you have my respect like it's i think is really meaningful i think um i think the mm-hmm. way they have handled her character has been fantastic and my my, no. my thing is uh-huh there's still a lot to do in terms of plot and we've spent a lot of time on character as we've talked about i just don't know how much more room there is for character because we've still got we haven't seen Jordy yet. We haven't seen Deanna yet. Like, we've still got characters we haven't even seen yet. Right. And do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I I trust them, but like I and I recognize they only have 10 episodes to do what they're gonna do. Uh, but it's also like ah. Well, you know what was nice is what I was gonna say is like with the character stuff for Seven of Nine, is it that's maybe the one place where it has felt very like plot and character have integrated really well Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we're getting character work as a direct result of plot stuff yes which has been which is what is lacking with like almost everyone else is with shaw to a lesser extent but really seven of nines is all of it has felt very plot driven which is Mm -hmm. awesome I feel like Riker is the only one, like his character development has felt very plot driven because he's in command of this ship for the first time since his son died. I feel like them three have gotten it and Picard's has felt like, yeah, there's like, he's acting from a place of lack of information. And so it's just not, yeah, no, I think, I think you're totally right. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, so it's a lot of, like, highs and lows this season, it feels like. Is there anything that we haven't touched on? So episode four ends with them, like, escaping the nebula, right? Right. And then getting back to – so getting back to Federation space, Will has a very nice conversation with Deanna. Yeah. uh, Which is gratifying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we still haven't, like, she still hasn't shown up, so, like, hopefully, like, she will show up soon. Um, I guess we should mention this one thing, which is like, you know, the show is being very bouncing timeline wise, bouncing mm -hmm. around between like showing us glimpses of the past that matter and contextualize conversations we're seeing in present day. Mm -hmm. And one of them is this moment in episode four that happened five years ago of Picard Mm -hmm. eating lunch at this place and a bunch of Starfleet kids come up and start like hailing him for stories and blah, blah, blah. And the through line in present day is he wants to know why Jack chose not to know him because that's mm-hmm. what Beverly tells him. It's like, I told him about you. He chose not to get to know you. And Picard mm-hmm. wants to know why. And we find out that it's after hailing Picard for all these stories, Jack was actually there that day. And he asks Picard, have you ever wanted a real family? Because Picard is like, your crew is your family. Like your, mm-hmm. that is who Starfleet is your family. 
And Picard says, Starfleet is the only family I'll ever need. Mm -hmm. And it's very symbolic. It's very like heavy in terms of like, clearly this is, this is the moment Jack decided he didn't need to know Picard. And it's like the question I have is, is it Jack who needs to learn the lesson or is it Picard who needs to learn the lesson? And I'm not, I actually don't know and I'm okay not knowing. I think it's, my my personal feeling is it's Jack. At that point, Picard was the commandant of Starfleet Academy, I think, Mm -hmm. because he is at the beginning of season two. Um, he's in charge of Starfleet Academy. His, like, and a bunch of cadets come up to him to ask him, like, his worst stories. Of course he's gonna be like, Starfleet is the best! That's not necessarily what he means, but... You know what I mean? Like, he's posturing. Because- yeah, 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 but to an extent, because it's not dissimilar to what Beverly says. Yeah. Right? It's not, dis- it's not, like, she's wrong when she says that to him in their fight, which is, like, you are bigger than just being a father. You're bigger, like, she's than not this. Wrong. And I she's agree. not wrong. So that's I what I mean when I'm like, I think both? it's I think it's a little bit of both. Like I think you're right. Like I, that is that, and like also I think the the lessons that Picard learned at the end of season two about his father, and he does reference that in in episode three. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I know now I would never have become like my father, that person, and I could that have known person. this twenty years earlier. Yes, and like I think, I mean, but then I think you look at, I don't know, and I think it's like a constant. I think it's a constant tension between, um, I think it's both. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's in terms of like, he is this person that's larger than life, larger mm-hmm. than a family, but he also, like in Star Trek Generations, which is the first next gen movie, it's the seventh Star Trek movie generally, uh, Star- uh, Jean-Luc enters the Nexus, which is this like, Guinan describes it as like being wrapped by a warm blanket. It's basically this like alternate, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like this thing that you, if you enter it, mm-hmm. it shows you anything you want. It shows you your heart's deepest desire. Like you can be happy and you can live there forever. And that's what it is. And what Picard has, he is at home with his kids. He's married. He has kids. Like okay. that's, that's what it shows him. Like as his deepest desire, he's married at home in France with his kids. And I think that that is like a constant tension for him in the show, like wanting the legacy, wanting, you know, it's so funny. We we didn't talk about this because we had other things to talk about. But in the first episode, he says, I am not a man who needs a legacy. Right. I I yelled at the screen, bullshit. Like he (laughs) is. He is not. Like Star Trek Generations, a lot of that is his his nephew, his brother Robert and his nephew Rene die in a fire. And Mm -hmm. like a lot of that, a lot of that movie is about him coming to terms with the fact that he will be the last Picard. There will be no more Picards. He chose not to have a family because he knew that there would be somebody else. Like there was another, like, and right. Like a lot of that is coming to terms with that. And yes, that next whole Nexus, like dream thing would have, might have been different because he was in a place of grief at that time. Like, absolutely. But that being said, I think that has always been there. And I do think I do I do think so. I think it's both of them. I think mm-hmm. Starfleet has become his family. I think Starfleet is his family, but it's not necessarily because he doesn't need one right. or he doesn't want one. It's just he has always prioritized that over the other thing. Right. And I think Jack also needs to learn that, like, 
I think, I think, yeah, and I agree with you. I think I'm okay having it be a little bit ambiguous, but I also think Jack is very, very much like Picard, I think, was as a young man, which, like, I don't need people. And I think it's his thing to understand, like, letting people in and that connection is not a bad thing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I hope we get more Jack character stuff because I actually don't think we've gotten enough. I would like a lot more with him. Like, I, I think want... I, lo- I love what we have seen. It's interesting. Okay, like, it's interesting because besides Riker, I think most of the character development we've seen for the legacy hit characters has not been plot-related. Plot no. And the character, like, the character development we've seen for the new characters has been plot-related. But only, like, Jack's problem is that it's only plot-related, right? Yeah. Like, he is where they, he is who he needs, who they need him to be when he, when they need him to be that person. Yeah. But we don't really know, and again, pacing by episode Mm -hmm. four, I should know more than I know Mm -hmm. for this character who is going to be so important. Yeah. Yep. But I I mean, we say this a lot, I think, but like when our biggest complaint is that we want more, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it's not a bad thing. I feel like it seems like we've criticized it a lot and I don't think we actually have. No, it's it's basically just saying we want more of the good stuff that we know that they have. Yes, I agree. Right? Um, But I don't think I have anything else to say yet. So do you want to? So I'm going to tell people if they want to pre-watch two episodes, I'm just going to give the episode numbers. I'm not going to give the name. That's a good idea. And so uh, if you want to watch them, go ahead. And if you recognize the episode, if you know what episodes they are from the numbers, you already know, then, then like... You already know. You already know. Like it's, it is. But if you want to hit... Fast forward for like 10 or 15 seconds right now. Go ahead. It is episode, it is Next Generation, season five, episode three, and season seven, the episode before All Good Things. I think it's up 24. Okay. Okay. Those are the two episodes. 503 Um, and 724. I think 724, yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay, so. So that that is, is, and we will come be back maybe next week, maybe like early the week after, depending on what our schedules look like. I think you and I are both a little more flexible going forward, but Mm -hmm. to record about episodes five and six, I will say things, the plot stuff starts to pick up at this point. Um, So I am excited for you to watch. Very excited. Um, Okay. So what are you doing? uh, What am I doing? A lot of stuff I can't talk about, but hopefully... There was like, hopefully news will drop soon of the thing that I worked on last year that I'm really excited about. Like last, like when I say last year, I mean like last summer, like last spring and last summer, like a full year ago um, is hopefully getting announced soon. Um, Other than that, it's the usual, like I've got a few books, like the Magic Without Borders is out this May, which is an anthology of South Asian creators. Very excited about Um, the second Spider-Man book is out later this year um yes very excited about uh and so yeah just pre-order or order my stuff and and hopefully more to come soon what about you uh still recapping star trek picard on at vulture my wired column will be back literally i have an interview that i am doing for it tomorrow it's kind of been (laughs) a weird start to the year with that but it is it i'm still writing it still working on it 
Um, my stargazing book comes out in early August. I think it's like August. It's like I have there's a re- if you search for it, there's a release date. But like I'm still not like officially talking about it yet because I think we're waiting <laughs> until we can reveal the cover to do the official announcement. But if you search for it on a bookshop.org or whatever, you can find it. And um, I'm doing more stuff on YouTube these days. So like if you see my YouTube videos, that um, you just please please feel free to subscribe because I am moving more in that direction. Um, Mm -mm. what are you into? Okay, so I am watching this Korean drama that's so good. It's called Doom at Your Service, and it is about, it's a romance between this woman and the personification of Doom. It's so good. Like, Doom slash Destruction. Okay. It is, like, emotional, and it's romantic, and it's funny. It's on Vicky, and it's only 16 episodes, which is also exciting. (laughs) Because I love a, I love like a solid amount of like short series that I can watch. Um, And it has the lead. The reason I started watching it is because the lead actress is the same actress from Strong Girl Bong Soon, which I've talked about on the show before. Yes, you have. That I also desperately love. So um, that's really fun. I also started watching Unprisoned. Which yes, is, I've heard, I heard about this. Yeah, because they're they're actually advertising it a lot, which is yeah. Awesome. Um, it's Kerry Washington, and this is one I picked up because of Delroy Lindo. I love Delroy Lindo. He was in The Good Fight, and he's he's made me cry so many times already on this, like, it's like eight episodes. They're like 30-minute episodes, and it's about this woman who her father is getting out of prison after 17 years, and sort of the, like, tensions that exist, the, like, not just, like, about him re-entering society, but also the familial tensions and all these things. But what's so refreshing is it's not like a dramatized version. It feels very real, like very authentic. The like the 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 family is open to a degree that I am uncomfortable with. <laughs> like not in the sense that it feels unreal, but in the sense that I'm like, oh my god, they are being so honest right now. <laughs> Um, but it's on Hulu. All eight episodes are out. It's like highly, highly recommend. And then I'm listening to the Madeline Langle Quartet for A Wrinkle in Time. I've read A Wrinkle in Time like eight zillion times. The sequels I have read, but not as much. Like I can't, I'm listening to- like a wind uh, door, a swiftly- A wind in the door. Yes. And many waters. Many waters, yeah. Which is my least favorite because that's the Sandy and Dennis one. <laughs> but okay, I don't think I've even read Many Waters. I've read the other two. The I'm listening to a swiftly tilting planet right now, and it is like fascinating. Like I remember when in the door they like go inside Charles Wallace's cells and are mm-hmm. speaking to like pieces of the mitochondria. It is fascinating what Madeline Lengel created in a way that is like, you know, we talk about how like I like this is like to me sci-fi that feels fantasy you know hold on my headphone came out because I got so excited okay it's back um this is like sci-fi that feels fantasy to me yeah much you have issues with sci-fi yeah because hard sci-fi is difficult for me um and then the last thing that I'm going to recommend is something my sister had me watch which is the first episode of the Trigun remake like it's so good I did not watch the original Trigun anime like I, I was like, I don't even know what Trigun is. So now good to know that it's an anime. It's an anime. It okay. is um, one of the more like well-known ones, but it was one that I never, for whatever reason, never, like, I don't know if it was like the art style or I just like didn't know anything about it. 
Um, but Hulu has the remake that I think might have just ended. I think it's just 12 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, I don't know if there's a second season. I, don't, I just don't know. But I watched the first one and the animation is gorgeous. The voice work mm-hmm. is wonderful. Like, it's just cool. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it starts with, there's this lore of these, like, two brothers who are on this, like, spaceship that explodes and they both, like, fall to this planet and then you don't know what happens um, until we find out one of them has grown up and it, it's like gunslinging sort of. It's like a little bit Western. It's a little bit like gives me like early FMA, like Full Metal Alchemist vibes. I'm like super into it. Um, and like my sister was so into it. She like binged that. And now she's like watching the original one. It's like and I fully expect that will be me. Um, OK, OK. <laughs> Your turn, but do you want to do the other things first? Okay, okay. So or first, just, uh, is it just the one? No, it's like so. The so um the uh one of the <laughs> things I'm into. I'm only into two things right now. Uh, the f- sixth season, maybe fifth season of F1 Formula One Drive to Survive is out, <laughs> and this is like my like Formula One reality show. Like I don't watch reality TV. It's like it's just not my thing generally. But for some reason, I am like addicted to the show. It's so good. Um, but it's on Netflix. All the episodes are out. The season's really good. If you follow F1, I don't know, actually, if you follow F1, you might also just, they clearly like choose, pick and choose like storylines and like angles and they, they choose to tell the story in a certain way that I am sure is not the way that people who watch it interpreted it because it's reality TV, but it's still like, I, so I think like, I do know, I do have friends who follow F1 and still enjoy the show to see like how they're like <laughs> twisting things to fit their narrative and stuff like that. But anyway, anyway, I love it. I know nothing about F1, but I love the show. Um, okay. And the other thing is, <laughs> as Preeti mentioned earlier, I started watching Supernatural yes! finally after Preeti has been talking about it to me for like five years i finally started watching so i'm like halfway through over halfway through season one i'm I'm making pretty good progress um and i really like it i will say it was i liked it like it was fine fun relationship between the brothers whatever the first like 10 episodes or so and then there was an episode home that Mm. like where they go back to their like childhood home that really kind of brought it all together and kind of brought the whole show to the next level i think in terms of the overarching narrative the relationship between the brothers they're like you know very i i don't know it's it's, the show's good i'm really enjoying it i expected it to be scarier than it is Mm -hmm. like part of the reason i have um not watched it is i've tried watching the first episode a couple of times the woman it's called like the woman in white White. and it is that is a kind of a creepy episode but like i have not been like I've not, I've not had a problem with it at all, and like I'm like, I think I'm less of a weenie than I used to be, uh, <laughs> because there are parts of this that would really have scared me. I think like ten years ago, but like also I think things like it's it's like how fear evolves in pop culture is different. Mm-hmm. Like things that were scary, bad, like very cutting edge and very scary then. Yes, like jump uh, things jumping out yeah. at you doesn't really scare me anymore. No, the the like impact has lessened a bit. Yes. Um, but if you're like if you're like trying to protect your child, I mean, I can't watch it. Like it's just I just like like if it's like oh, mother will do anything to save her child. Nope, nope, I can't no, watch thank it. You. It's so visceral. But like, yeah, this um, is not that. Yeah. No, I I really like it. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I expect at some point we'll probably do a podcast discussion yeah! about it when like when like stuff starts getting like really into like the overarching and Preeti's like nah, I want to talk about this. Then we'll probably talk about it. Um. 
So that's stay I tuned, I guess. So much. It's so good and so awful and so yeah. wonderful. And it makes me so angry. Um, <laughs> All of the emotions. Yeah, and I'm excited. Like the thing is, I guess like my expectations just aren't that high, which helps. Like no, you know, like it's 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 funny because like I say these things where I'm like, oh, it's like the the best, most terrible show. There are things on that show that I think are so well done from a narrative and storytelling perspective. Mm-hmm. Like what they, I think it was really honestly incredible what they ended up doing and mm-hmm. how. I'm surprised more people aren't trying to kill them for some of the choices they made in terms of like, I don't want to say anything actually, cause I don't want any spoilers. I don't want to, okay. I don't want to tell you, but I do. There's just some narrative genuinely, choices they make that do yeah. not hold up. There are definitely narrative. Well, no, no, no. I mean, in, in terms of like other people have been, have gotten in a lot of trouble for the aspects of culture they choose to, portray and mm-hmm. not I don't mean this in a bad way there are certainly things they do that I'm like that is they're like there's episodes I don't watch because I'm like uh that was really problematic and I wish you hadn't done it but then there are other choices they make that I'm like this is a really interesting take on theology and an interesting way to view religion uh, um, okay. okay in that way and so okay. and I think they were probably one of the first because the show is so long running the way they handle meta storytelling is Again, not always unproblematic, but always interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So more to come on that front. Yes, for sure. So we are part of the Hard Knock Life podcast. What are we? What are we part of? We are part of the Hard Knock Life podcast network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. That's N-O-C for nerds of color. And a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Meredith, Amber, Brandy, Brian, Chris, Bria, Ruth, the Knot family, Ani, Desiree, Jason, Jordan, Gavita, Mike, Nina, Rita, and Ronnie. Um, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theyseegeekgirls. And oh, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at S. Krishna. <laughs> yeah, it just says social shout out. So yeah, we have to improvise here. I'm at S. Krishna. Uh, we are on Twitter at theyseegeekgirls and I yes. am on yes. all socials at runwithskizzers, S-K-I-Z-Z-E-R-S. Yes. Um, um, and until, until next time, time we'll see, see you, you in hell. hell.